very good morning to you all and well dug out some of you and I'm very glad to see you all here this morning. There is a link actually between the voluntary which Mark has just played and there are no prizes for spotting the link but the link comes on just before Andrew speaks and um, see, see how many of you actually <coughs> spot that link. And for those of you with very good memories really what's just happened there was an earnestism um, that's the sort of thing that Ernest would have played on the organ with the weather outside just to remind us about the second verse of that carol as well what would I bring him poor as I am if I were a shepherd I would bring a lamb if I were a wise man I would do my part what can I give him give him my heart and, and that's, that's the sort of thing that he would have done and it was just a, a, a nice memory for me that when I asked Mark to play that this morning we're going to open with a hymn of praise which is O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness bow down before him his glory proclaim with gold of obedience and incense of lowliness kneel and adore him the Lord is his name hymn 159 Father, each one of us has come through different experiences during this last six days. Some of them, I know, have been very difficult and some have been full of thanksgiving and reasons for joy. But however we have arrived here this morning, Father, we know that your, your sheer love for us will meet every need that we have. And so we thank you, Father, for being our Father in heaven. And we pray that your name might be hallowed. That your name might be hallowed through all the world. And we know that that will happen when our Lord comes. So in this troubled world, as our minds turn out to the difficulties that are there, wherever we look, in this city of ours and beyond, we know that the world cries out, for Jesus to come even though many don't know dear father we come before you not like pure driven snow but were it not for your love we would come before you very soiled and so we pray for your your forgiveness and father we pray for your strength too that you might guide us that you will guide us and uplift us in the days that are before us we pray for this church, this body of believers and our brothers and sisters throughout the world. Father, we know some of them, but you know them all. And we pray that you will bless them, bless them today as they need. Dear Father, we pray now that you'll continue with us in this service and grant us your peace in the name of Jesus. Amen. And this morning Alex will give us the announcements. Thanks. Morning everybody. Morning. And welcome. It's good to have everyone here with us this morning. I'm going to start by mentioning the prayer week that we've just had. I've had an awesome week. And hopefully the people that managed to make it down through the, through the blizzards 
also enjoyed just coming and spending some time at peace here uh, with God. Uh, we're going to leave the prayer cards and the prayer line up for at least another week, if not the foreseeable future. And we suggest that as the weather thaws out, you come down in your own time, make carve out a bit of space, maybe ring someone else up to arrange to pray with somebody, or if you want to ring Kate or myself up, um, we'll come down, turn the heating on before you get here, and pray with you as well. But for me, it's been a very powerful time this week, lifting up uh, this year to God in prayer. So the care news this week. We heard from John this week, and last Sunday and over the weekend, he'd been in hospital with a fairly bad dose of malaria. Um, He's out again now, but he's still on medication, still not entirely back to full fitness. So please continue to pray for John's health as well as the work he's doing out in the Congo. Uh, Please remember the the pregnant mums and the new babies that we've got at church. And uh, have in your prayers, today especially, little Theo Crowther, who's due to have his hernia operation. It was due to be a bit earlier today, but it hasn't happened yet. So pray that it will go well without any kind of complications or problems. Maybe remember this week, people uh, like Gladys and Pauline and probably a few other people who may have been affected in their mobility by the snow, get in touch with them, see if they need any help, if they need any shopping or any other care. East has had a bad cough this week, so pray for healing there. I had a note also that Zoe Dean has discovered another lump and having had cancer in the past, she's obviously very concerned. She's going for investigations soon, so please continue to pray for her and her family. And a little girl called Tess, who I mentioned quite a while back, uh, she's the one that had skull surgery and was doing really well. Uh, Recently she's been diagnosed with an extremely rare degenerative brain condition That means that over the next five to ten years she will gradually regress, end up paralysed and blind. And from now her life expectancy is between five and ten years. It's obviously a real shock, a real kind of hammer blow for the family. So please pray for them. Her mum has specifically asked that we do pray for them. For Tess herself, that they'll all be provided with the appropriate support and care and mostly I think that they will somehow uh, see God at work and being glorified despite the pain and the suffering that they will inevitably meet does anyone else have anything to add to the care news before I lift these things to God in prayer let's pray together Loving Father, Lord, there are people that we lift to you now, people who are unwell, families that are having to cope with their relations who are unwell. And there may be other people on our minds, Lord. And though we don't always understand, God, I pray that we will trust that even though it doesn't feel like we're walking next to still waters and in green pastures we will still trust that you are there to carry us 
to hold our hands to embrace us close to your heart Lord there are people that we perceive need healing and Lord if you are glorified more in their healing then please heal them but if somehow Lord you are given greater glory by their continuing suffering help us to understand and to accept it and to support them the best way we possibly can Lord we lift up all of these people and all of the things that we are planning to do into your hands for your blessing for your continued involvement and intimacy and we ask it in the name of the risen Lord Amen Amen Thanks very much We're going to take two readings this morning and we're going to take the the first one which is Psalm 22 which Sylvia is going to read for us and then 2 Corinthians chapter 5 which Steve's going to read and that's the chapter on which um, Andrew has based his, uh, his exhortation this morning Psalm 22 and 2 Corinthians 5 Thanks so Psalm 22 My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? O oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer, by night, and am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One, you are the praise of Israel, in you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey open their their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me, a band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. 
Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honour him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfil my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. Continue to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose, and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since, then, we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen, rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, 
who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thanks Sylvia and thank you Steve. It wouldn't really matter where we looked in those two passages. We'd find really quite outstanding, outstanding words. And I'd like to think in a little while about Psalm 22 and but before that before we think about that I'm going to ask us to sing or ask you to sing um, hymn 103 from Praise the Lord which is such love I wonder how many of you this week when you came out in the morning and saw the snow and started to dig yourselves out and started to think about how you were going to get to work and how you were going to get to the shops and how you were going to get the children to school the schools were open and if the schools weren't open what you were going to do I wonder how many of you would have um, thought of God's love being shown in the new snow the that hadn't been trodden on at all Um, my next door neighbour is um, uh, is a Methodist lay preacher and this morning he cleaned my windscreen and dug a path for me which was wonderful but he's a granddad and he's got four grandchildren and he came out on was it Tuesday morning when we got the bucket loads he came out and he knocked on the door and he said Jack just look at this just look at it isn't it absolutely beautiful and the chap across the road shouted no if you're digging yourself out of it and I thought that there is a contrast between the way that we see things and um, I was trying to think of uh, during this week of seeing the snow as just um, the blanket over our sin and the covering for our sin just a reminder of what the Lord has done for us so um, that's one of the reasons that I chose this hymn such love pure as the whitest snow such love weeps for the shame I know such love paying the debt I owe oh Jesus such love and so we'll spend a, a few moments around the crucifixion psalm psalm 22 it really is quite a remarkable psalm in very many ways it's a psalm of David and David wouldn't know anything at all about crucifixion but some of the expressions that are used in that psalm are so closely identified with crucifixion that it's just an amazing thing that um, he could see what was going to happen to the Lord Jesus and particularly I think verse 14 I am poured out like water 
and all my bones are out of joint my heart is like wax it has melted within me my strength is dried up like a pot's herd and my tongue clings to my jaws and you have brought me to the dust of death such a dramatic um, awful way to look at the end of a man's life there's another surprising thing about this psalm as well and that is that it's cushioned it's cushioned in, in psalms which are all about praise all about thanksgiving all about the wonder of God all about the blessing of the king and wherever you look from about Psalm 18 uh, about Psalm 16 onwards up to about 626 you will see this you know this, these expressions of, of wonder at the, at the loveliness of God and then in the middle Psalm 22 and it's almost as though the psalmist is reminding us of, of the wonder of God but also the cost that we can call him our father and the cost of salvation he starts in, if you look in verse 19 and the psalmist again starts off the word of the Lord is perfect converting the soul the statutes of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart expressions like this which speak to us of the, the loveliness of God and then in verse, five, in verse 5 of, of Psalm 20 we get we will rejoice at your salvation and the name of our God will set up our banners and may the Lord f fulfill all your petitions and I know that the Lord saves his children some trust in chariots says verse 7 in the same psalm and some in horses but we will remember the name of the Lord our God and then there's one little comment at the end of Psalm 26 I think 27 which I, I really can identify with and have identified with particularly in this last year and verse 13 of this psalm says I would have lost heart unless I had believed unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and I think that's one of the most wonderful verses that you could find anywhere in the Bible I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and we're here because we do believe you're here because you do believe there may be other reasons as well but you are here because you put your trust in God and despite all the situations in which you find yourself then that statement still holds true that you may have lost heart unless you had believed that you would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living just with those few thoughts I'd like to ask Andrew now to to come and exhort us on 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Good morning everybody 
you can all hear me, thanks. That's Psalm 22, and um, those words of Jack really bring us straight to the message of the cross. And perhaps you might think it's a bit of a tricky passage to, to look at, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, by way of an exhortation. But I'll tell you why I, I um, wanted to look at it briefly for a few moments this morning. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you, you've looked at a passage of Scripture time after time after time and you think you're familiar with it and then suddenly you, you look at it again and the phrase jumps out of the, of the text at you and that's what happened with me looking at this um, Second Corinthians chapter 5. A few weeks ago I was just reading through it and I don't know why but I just happened to notice the little heading in my Bible, if you've got the NIV, it's just above verse 11 and it says the ministry of reconciliation I think on all our hearts recently there's been this word reconciliation and I, and I looked at it again and I thought it's, it's, it comes up so many times in this passage um, the ministry of reconciliation and I thought oh this, there's probably something in this I could just look at for a little bit um, when we're, when we're um, exhorting you know we're looking at things together um, but first of all, perhaps a question. Who do you think Jesus died for? Who did Jesus die for? And it surprised me when I was looking around this chapter that there's quite a lot of controversy about this um, amongst Bible students, not amongst Christadelphian circles, I hasten to add, but lots of people discuss this question as who did Jesus die for? Um, and in verse 14, if you just look in, in this fifth chapter, it says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We're told there that Jesus died for all. But verse 18 talks about people being reconciled to God just look down at verse 18 all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation and he goes on to say down in verse 20, be reconciled to God. So it's not clearly straightforward, is it? <clears throat> it can hardly be true, though, that everyone is reconciled to God in the light of that verse 20 we've just read. Paul's imploring people to be reconciled to God. <clears throat> so in what sense did Jesus die for all? Well, John 3.16 and passages like that tell us, don't they, that God gave his only begotten Son for all, that whoever believes in him will be saved. So, the sacrifice of Jesus that we're remembering here this morning is sufficient for all. But it's his Spirit indwelling in us that makes this sacrifice effective, isn't it? <clears throat> Do we wish to be reconciled, brethren and sisters? I think that's an issue we need to think about. It's all about allowing and welcoming Jesus into our lives, this, this Spirit of the Lord, isn't it? 
to percolate and trickle down through all aspects of our lives in order to become reconciled to God and of course in the lives of those people around us that we, we come into contact with consequently we are called to this ministry of reconciliation this is all probably all familiar ground to you but it just really struck me there's something we could think about this ministry of reconciliation what a lovely job description I'm a minister of reconciliation I reconcile people to God it's a great job description isn't it I wonder how good we are at it it talks as well in this chapter about being ambassadors now ambassadors usually live somewhere where it's not their country but they are um, bringing people to the, the customs of their country they're representing their country are we representing Jesus to those around us are we um, ministers of reconciliation the love of Christ that we've been thinking about we sang about in that, that last song that we think um, about that Jesus went through that Psalm 22 explains how he knowingly went through all that pain and suffering for our sakes that love of Jesus that we're thinking about this morning should encourage us to persuade others and encourage others to turn to him if Jesus cares so much about the world then perhaps we shouldn't be as judgmental perhaps we should be a bit more reconciliatory and more loving and accommodating for Jesus' sake it's a useful exercise I think to um, think why or how we see others a useful exercise to why we talk to others about God why do we talk to other people about God why do we talk to people about what we believe and why we believe things why do we do it is it out of a sense of duty I mustn't let this opportunity pass me by why do we talk to other people about God or is it out of the love that we're responding to the love of Jesus that we want to tell others about him and I think there's a subtle difference it makes me think really I was asked to think recently along these lines it said think about your life Andrew you may have been made alive through Christ but are you really living for him or is your Christian life just a version of living for yourself but a Christian version is your life just a Christian version of living for yourself it's a tough question really isn't it one that makes you think there's much room for improvement in our lives I know there is in mine for this spirit to, to burn more brightly in my life I wonder about everybody else we're all in similar positions aren't we and I'm not wishing to be critical in any way I just want to encourage us to keep moving forward towards Jesus I mean just keeping a family together and in harmony can be so stressful these days can't it the pressures of holding down a job in these uncertain times is so stressful working long hours burning up and down the motorway miles after mile day after day so stressful caring for members of our family you know, infirm members elder members of our family is a tremendous burden trying to please all the in-laws all the time it's so stressful isn't it and so it goes on it's easy to feel burnt out isn't it and Jesus doesn't criticise us for this 
He just says, don't forget me. He says, remember my love for you. Remember that I am with you. Take my yoke, let me carry your burden. Don't forget that I died for you. Try not to be too dutiful. Love me in what you do. And I think there's a great teaching in that, isn't it? We can tick all the boxes, dot all the I's, cross all the T's. We can be very dutiful in what we do. But is it out of a loving service that we do these things? Let's try and respond and be moved by and to the love of Jesus. We start to do things out of habit, don't we? We start to do things dutifully, do you know what I mean? Rather than out of love. And I think there's a danger in that. Let's be committed to this ministry of reconciliation because we have been reconciled to God through Jesus. Sometimes in all the comings and goings of our everyday lives, we forget that God has a plan. When we sit down and think about it, of course we know about the, the plan. I suppose Andy's going to talk about it next week, about the Bible in an hour. You know, this, this theme that goes through the Bible. We know about it, but it's so easy to forget about it, isn't it, as we're plowing along in our everyday lives. And that plan is not just that God forgave our sins so that we can go on plowing our furrow in the world. Look again at verse, well we read verse 14 didn't we? For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus didn't die so that we could go on living our own, if you like, dead way of life. We agree on that, don't we? But they should, we should try and live the life that leads to a life responding to the love of Jesus. Leads to a life serving Jesus in love. Appreciating, if you like, if we ever can, what Jesus did for us. Reflecting on his great love for us all. And it's really very moving when you do spend time thinking about it, that Jesus knowingly went into that horrific scenario of unfair trial and execution. So the answer is, I think, first of all, not to try harder at being a good brother or sister or member of the Ecclesia, not to try and do all the things we're supposed to do. I don't think that's the answer, is it? The answer is, first of all, to try and understand more deeply that we are only alive spiritually because Jesus died for us. And he did that because he loves us. And I think that's fantastic. And he loves it when we respond to him in some way. Just keep your finger in Second Corinthians chapter 5. Just turn to First Peter chapter 1, please. Come with me to verse 18 of First Peter chapter 1. Where Peter says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You know, much more valuable than all the empty things. The ministry of reconciliation. I feel to truly embrace this means we should try to be reconciled with, with one another as well. It's an obvious statement, isn't it? But 
you know what I mean some people we see as quite interesting some we see as well not for us you know don't ring me I'll ring you sort of thing some people are great to spend time with some a bit heavy and a bit complicated and boring and this is human nature isn't it we've all got sort of uh, views on different people haven't we this is human nature but without Jesus we see people as how um, they affect us in our lives we see people perhaps people make us laugh we see people as useful to know we see people that we ought to avoid because they all seem to be surrounded by controversy we see people perhaps we think are a bit lazy but we are all called to be reconciled to one another through Jesus we see those around us as Jesus sees them let's try and see people as Jesus sees them not just our brothers and sisters but all the people that we have dealings with in our lives remember that job description being a minister of reconciliation in um, the first letter to the Corinthians chapter 9 just have a look at that we see what an amazing person the Apostle Paul was when he talks about how he saw people verse 19 of of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 this is a very familiar passage again I'll just read a couple of verses though I am free and belong to no man I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible and it goes on in that familiar passage just look at verse 22 to the weak I became weak to win the weak I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save someone and this I think is the this requires the, the love of Christ in our hearts isn't it and minds to try and see people as Jesus sees them rather than as we see them try and see people as Jesus saw them and try and get on their wavelength where are they at in their lives that's always a good place to start trying to reconcile with people the ministry of reconciliation so going back to that chapter we read chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 there's one verse there I think is very worthwhile committing to memory and that's verse 17 therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has gone and the new has come short verse but worthwhile committing to memory we are a new creation the old has gone and the new has come and looking back in in my life my coming to Jesus was the result of many people's work yet there is only really one person who worked in my life and that was God we may know people who had a dramatic conversion as the Apostle Paul did but we read about people we probably might know people who had a dramatic conversion in their lives something changed dramatically and they they could see Jesus and they turned to him I sometimes wish that I had a a dramatic change in my life as well that defining moment they could always look back to and think yeah that changed my life forever 
I came to the Lord. I sometimes feel my gradual evolving through Sunday school with all its ups and downs into the ecclesia and Bible classes and all that was very dull and feeble really. Have you ever felt like that yourself? Probably you have, I don't know. But whatever our circumstances, it's the same change, isn't it? Whether it's dramatic or over a period of time, it's the same change that takes place within us. We are no longer the centre of our universe. I think that's the thing we've got to grasp. We're no longer the centre of our universe. But who is the Lord Jesus? There's something similar in um, Colossians chapter 1 <clears throat> along these lines. Verse 22. I could read 21 just for the connection. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusations. And we've been reconciled to Christ through the love of God. So it was God working in our lives to effect that change in all our lives really, wasn't it? So whether it was in some dramatic way or a, a slow evolving, that change has been worked. And it's probably going on. It always goes on, doesn't it, as we grow to that maturity that Jesus talks about and the apostles talk about. A Bible talk might spark something inside us. We may have a discussion with a friend. We may be moved by what we read in the scriptures. Our coming to Jesus may take years of soul searching. But in the end, it's all from God, isn't it? It's all as that verse 18 of this fifth chapter. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's all part of this ministry of reconciliation. And we're all different, aren't we? We've all got different attitudes and characteristics. That's the great thing that makes up an ecclesia, isn't it? We're all different. We're not all called to be preachers or evangelists or teachers or those who attend every little bit of detail or orators, but... We're all part of the whole of this ministry, aren't we? We're all part of this whole ministry of reconciling people to God. I think I read somewhere, one businessman put it, um, we've all got different job titles, but we're all in sales. You know, we've all got to promote what we're about. And that's what we do, isn't it? We all do different things, but we're all part of this ministry of reconciliation. And that verse about being a new creation taken in isolation might make us think it's all going to be happy ever after when we come to Jesus. But living this new life as ministers of reconciliation isn't like that, is it? Paul has something to say about that in that first part of the chapter which I've quite neatly swerved round because it is a bit uh, involved that uh, the first part of this fifth chapter. Um, he talks about tents and, and buildings, doesn't he, and, and groaning. But just let me pass on to you something that I, I read the other day, when keep one eye on that, uh, those first ten verses of, of chapter five. I'll just share this with you, because I think it puts it much more succinctly than I could. It said, um, clothing, tents, buildings, 
what do you think Paul is talking about here? And what word does he twice use to show what a Christian's life is like now? The buildings, the tents, the clothes are all Paul's way of talking about our earthly life, our bodies, our minds, emotions and will. The genuine Christian life will involve many things. Hope in the future because of the gift of the Spirit, assurance of God's love, joy in our forgiveness, a new purpose in life, but it will also involve groaning, a deep-rooted dissatisfaction with what we have here and now compared with what we were made for and shall receive in the future. The life is now, but is also not yet. And I thought that was great. The life is now, isn't it? But it's not yet. It's sort of this reconciliation that's going on. The life is now, but it is not yet. We're looking for something better to come, aren't we? It continues. Jesus' death and resurrection brought in the possibility of a new creation. The day of our conversion to Christ saw the new creation born in us, but will not be fully revealed until God makes all things new in the new heavens and the new earth of the Revelation 21, etc. When we will be clothed in resurrection bodies a new outward form that will match the new inner creation that God has made in us. We tend to view things like joy, purpose and hope as positive things and groanings and struggle as negative things. Our thinking about this needs to change. Although Jesus' death has brought us peace with God, it has started a war in ourselves. This old life versus the new groaning, struggle and dissatisfaction with this life are actually positive signs that God is at work in us and that we genuinely believe the promise of the gospel and God's promise about the future. So, when I'm tempted, I say to myself, I am a new creation. All that stuff is no longer what I live for. When I face opposition, I say to myself, I am a new creation. What else should I expect if I am still living in the old? And when I struggle with my own weakness and physical frailty, I say, I am a new creation and one day I will be clothed with a new body to match. So all these groanings can be made positive. So I've stood up here long enough. I'd just like to um, encourage us to not let this ministry of reconciliation be pushed on the back burner. Let's embrace it as we work with one another in our church to bring this good news to as many people as we can while Jesus remains away. I'd like to finish with a quote from the first letter of John. Now we are the children of God and we have not yet been shown what we shall be in the future. May God bless you all. When Andrew um, and I were talking during the week, um, that hymn that we sang, um, the first one, 103, uh, seemed so appropriate to introduce what Andrew had to say, and I think to seal what Andrew has said, um, hymn 277 from Praise the Lord is very, very fitting. And after we've sung this, Malcolm will give thanks for the bread. Dear Father, we 
Thank you for your immense love that we see in this bread. Lord, we see your ministry of reconciliation. Lord, we see your seeking each one of us to be part of that ministry. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful hope that we have. Lord, we have the prospect of being raised from the dead. Lord, of living life eternally with you. Of sharing in the the kingdom of a new heaven and a new earth on this earth. Lord, help us to be your ministers, to have the aroma of Christ on each one of us, to be welcoming, to be, to be humble, and to show others the, the love that you have shown to us. Lord, we thank you now as we share this bread as one body together in love. Amen. Gracious Father in heaven, we have already been reminded of the beauty of snow and we think too of the beauty of the words of the prophet Isaiah when he said to the people of Israel and his words come to us, come let us reason together, though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. And Heavenly Father, as we now come, come to contemplate the beauty of the master of our reconciliation and the shed blood for which we thank you, we pray that this moment of remembrance now and this collection of brothers and sisters this morning will help us practically to reason ourselves with our own consciences, to reason carefully and meditatively with our own practices. And with shame we confess so often the sordidness of our behaviour and of the vulgarity of our expressions. And compared to the utter beauty of Jesus, Heavenly Father, we, we do confess our sins and we do ask you to consider our weaknesses and help us to bathe more beautifully in the, in, in the mercy and love and warmth of your kindness. Help us therefore in giving thanks now in words we might also be willing to give thanks in deeds, and as the Apostle Paul says, offer our bodies as living sacrifices as Jesus did, for this is but our reasonable service. So accept our thanks and bless us each as we have need. From this time forward we pray. And just perhaps help us remember just a few words I read recently which said, Life's pathway lies before you, untrodden in the snow be careful how you tread it for every mark will show you know every mark of our life's pathway Lord we pray you will have mercy on us and forgive our weaknesses and bless us in the future in the name of Jesus Amen We're going to close in a few minutes with Mary's favourite hymn Lord of all beings. She was hoping to be here to sing it, but she's not made it.
and uh, just a temporary blip I hope but we shall still close with that hymn but just before we sing that hymn Lord of all being throned afar just catch hold of these words Andrew mentioned them briefly uh, during his exhortation and it's the same passage it's from Colossians 1 verses 15 to 20 and it speaks of Jesus in this remarkable way he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things hold together think of that and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have preeminence wonderful words so we shall sing hymn 151 we shall sing this to the tune on Bursley and the words are Lord of all being throned afar thy glory flames from sun and star centre and soul of every sphere yet to each seeking heart how near we lay this service before you we pray that you will bless the thoughts that we've had the readings that we've shared the exhortation which has moved us and the remembrance Father which is so special dear Father we pray that you will accept the praises of our hearts and as we move into the activities of another week we pray that you will be with us that you will share every moment and that we will know that you're there with us dear father please guide us and be with us for Jesus sake